Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy. Today is September 24th of 2023, and today we're celebrating the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Today's Gospel is sort of lengthy. It comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16a. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, The landowner found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones work only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus, the last will be first, and the first will be last. During the Spanish Civil War, which took place from 1936 through 1939, 13 bishops, over 4,000 priests, 2,000 male religious, 300 sisters, and thousands upon thousands of lay people were martyred. Among them, we have blessed Florentino Asensio Barroso, who was then bishop of the Diocese of Barbastro. He hadn't even been bishop there for five months when he was imprisoned, tortured, and killed for his faith. As they led him out to the place where they were going to kill him, one of his captors asked mockingly if Florentino knew where he was going. Blessed Florentio calmly replied, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Today's readings all give us a glimpse into that reward that awaits us if we remain faithful to God's commandments. Through the prophet Isaiah, we're told that God is waiting for us to call on his mercy. He wants to forgive us, and the reward he has for us far exceeds what we can fully understand. Likewise, we all know people who are afraid of dying, And yet in his letter, St. Paul tells us that he longs to depart this life and be with Christ, for that is far better. In the Gospel parable, Jesus tells us that the reward of heaven requires work. It requires effort on our part. In his mercy, God generously offers that reward even though to those who come late to a life of holiness. Now, thinking about heaven not only encourages us to try with all our hearts and souls to reach it, but it also helps us to overcome the difficulties and challenges that we face in this life. St. Joseph Cafaso used to say, 
O heaven, whoever thinks on you will never suffer from weariness. O heaven, whoever thinks on you will never suffer from weariness. So then let's just consider two points today. First, what is heaven? And second, how should it affect my daily life? What's heaven? And how does it affect my daily routine? Regarding the first, the Catechism tells us that those who die in God's grace and friendship and are perfectly purified live forever with Christ. They are like God forever, for they see Him as He is, face to face. So those phrases from the Catechism, as He is and face to face, are taken from the Bible. But we shouldn't understand them as though it were a sort of seeing I do now with my physical eyes, right? Rather, it's a seeing of the mind, right? As for example, when we say, oh, I see, when we finally understood something. Oh, I see what it is, right? What it is is a vision of God's essence. And seeing God that way makes us so happy that it's called the beatific vision. In her diary, St. Faustina describes the happiness of heaven in a vision she had. This is what she writes. She says, Today I was in heaven, in spirit, and I saw its inconceivable beauties and the happiness that awaits us after death. I saw how all creatures give ceaseless praise and glory to God. I saw how great is happiness in God, which spreads to all creatures, making them happy. And then all the glory and praise which springs from this happiness returns to its source, and they enter into the depths of God, contemplating the inner life of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, whom they will never comprehend or fathom. This source of happiness is unchanging in its essence, but it is always new, gushing forth happiness for all creatures. Now the Catechism continues by saying, this perfect life with the Most Holy Trinity, this communion of life and love with the Trinity, with the Virgin Mary, the angels, and all the blessed, is called heaven. Heaven is the ultimate end and fulfillment of the deepest human longings, the state of supreme, definitive happiness. Think about those words for a moment. The fulfillment of the deepest human longings. To be supremely happy without the possibility of ever losing that happiness. To be free from all anxiety and sadness. Here on earth, we know that any happiness or pleasure we have is passing. In heaven, though, that the happiness is permanent. And at each moment, it becomes deeper and greater. At the end of one of his novels, the English author C.S. Lewis describes the happiness of heaven. He writes it this way. He says, We can most truly say that they all live happily ever after. But it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Again, the Catechism continues. It says, This mystery of blessed communion with God and all who are in Christ is beyond all understanding and description. Scripture speaks of it in images, life, light, peace, wedding feast, wine of the kingdom, the Father's house, the heavenly Jerusalem, paradise. No eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 
if heaven is a place of such great happiness, so much joy and peace, then it has to affect my daily life, which is our second point. We can point out three effects, conversion, hope, and confidence. Conversion, hope, and confidence. First, if I really believe in heaven, and I really believe it's worthwhile to get there, I need to change my life. I have to live behind sin and everything that leads me to sin, and I need to begin to follow God's ways. St. Ignatius of Loyola gives us the guiding principle of our lives at the beginning of his spiritual exercises. He writes, Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. And all the other things on the face of the earth are created for man, and that they may help him in obtaining the end for which he is created. From this it follows that man is to use them as much as they help him unto his end, and ought to rid himself of them so far as they hinder him as to it. We can ask ourselves, what is there in my life that doesn't let me follow God? What is there that won't help me to heaven? Another important effect that heaven has on my life is that it it gives me hope. If I'm really convinced that this world is not the end of everything, then I have the hope that whatever happens here, when everything is said and done, really isn't that important. The things that sometimes fill us with anxiety, anger, or sadness really aren't that great or important. The martyrs, like Blessed Florentino, could give their lives because they were convinced of the truth of heaven. As Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI wrote, the one who has hope lives differently. The one who hopes has been granted the gift of a new life. Lastly, thinking of heaven gives us confidence in God, who, as a good father, has arranged everything for our good. Everything is done or permitted for our eternal salvation. St. Edith Stein speaks of this in her masterpiece when she writes, What did not lie in my plan lay in God's plans. And the more often such things happen to me, the more lively becomes in me the conviction of my faith that, from God's point of view, nothing is accidental. That my entire life, even in the most minute details, was pre-designed in the plans of divine providence, and is thus, for the all-seeing eye of God, a perfect coherence of meaning. That's beautiful. From God's point of view, nothing is accidental. My entire life, in the, even in the most minute details, was pre-designed in the plans of divine providence, and is thus, for the all-seeing eye of God, a perfect coherence of meaning. Once I begin to realize this, my heart rejoices in anticipation of the light of glory, in whose sheen this coherence of meaning will be fully unveiled to me. That light of glory of which he's speaking is heaven, when all will be made clear and bright. Today, then, through the intercession of Mary, Queen of Heaven, let's ask for the grace to truly set our sights on heaven, and in this way, to obtain the graces of conversion, hope, and confidence.